Well, well, well. This episode of the Poor Rivera podcast has been long overdue. I have a very, very close friend of mine who just coincidentally happens to be a Nike design legend. Um, on this episode, we talk about his 30-plus rejections, or as he calls them, opportunities to come back. We talk about his foray into Nike golf. We talk about him working on the Olympics, and we talk about him working with goats. Hope you enjoy the show with David Creech, my friend, Nike Design VP. Enjoy. Peace. For anyone that's ever listened to or watched this podcast, all four of you out there, um, <laughs> you know I don't prepare for shows at all. If there's a level, a lesser level of preparation possible, that's what I did for this show. Thank you for that intro. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, a David Creech here. Um, long list of accomplishments, long list of great things he's done at the swoosh. We'll get into a bunch of all that stuff, and more importantly... We, how long have we known each other? each other for a long I, time. I think at least 10 years. Right, 10 but, years? But around 10 years. But I also yeah. feel they're like dog years. Like we've known each other and traveled and done stuff. That's right. It feels like it's been like 70 years. Man. The mentoring sessions, workouts, et cetera, yeah. Who's mentoring who? Some would say tomato. Some would say tomato. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good, brother. Good to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. You came all the way from Portland. I appreciate that. Of course. Um, we've been having back, back and forth conversations. Uh, the last episode I did was with Maverick Carter. And um, you had a couple of issues with that that you should have been before him, I believe. Do you want to talk about that at all? Or Well, I mean, it's simply I went with alphabetical. Um, <laughs> Creech, Carter. But really, I went with David Maverick. Um, but that, that's, you know, that's fine. Neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. <laughs> so I want a lot to cover. You and I met back when I was at Nike. Um, I'm trying to think what year I went to count. I don't know if you remember. So let's, let's, let's go back. You were working on LeBron. I was working on LeBron. Yeah. You were heading up design. Yep. Um, and I was a total fish out of water, like New York city kid, Beaverton, Oregon. I like, like they dragged me to Portland. I didn't, I didn't even unpack my stuff. I was like, I'm not going to make any friends here. And then the least person I think I become friends with is this guy sitting across from me. Um, and I think, I don't think I've ever told you this. I think the thing that attracted me to you as a friend was it's like, we both every day felt like. We probably didn't even belong where we were, right? We were like, like lucky. Like I mean yeah. that in a, in a positive way. Yeah. So we'll get back to that. I want to start a little bit at the beginning with you, like because similar to me, you know, you always tell me like you didn't have a very traditional, you know, um, upbringing personally, and you didn't have, you definitely didn't have a uh, a traditional path to your career now. So let's start David Creech, early days. We're gonna go back into the seventies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I mean. You're right. I mean, I think, you know, you said we didn't be, I, I felt like we were blessed, you know. Um, but, you know, before we met, yeah, I was born in Seoul, South Korea, um, and uh, but adopted at a very young age, grew up in Oregon. So How yeah, old were you point. when you were adopted? Seven months. Wow. Seven okay. months. So I spoke a little bit of English, no Korean. You no, were adopted, you, <laughs> you adopted in Seoul? I was adopted, yeah, from Seoul into, into uh, this town, Newport, Oregon. My parents... My dad was a scientist. My mom was a school teacher. You know, we grew up in a three-bedroom, one-bathroom house all our life. Um, 
but but the biggest thing that I think grew uh, for me the foundation for where I am today is just this idea of sport. Mm. Uh, my dad, um, though he was a scientist, uh, he was head of the booster club in Newport uh, for many years. Wait, your I, dad was a scientist? Yeah, science studied the ocean. Uh, that's why I kind of have some of the ink on my wow on my arm. He he studied the ocean. Uh, he was biology scientist. Worked for the science center there in town did you think it was like as a kid like super cool like where you didn't get it or was it like yeah i mean it was cool because you'd go to the office and he would have sea slugs swear to god he would have sea slugs that he would study um i have no idea study for what but they would just have (laughs) uh, a ton of stuff around sea slugs they would do metrics around waves uh in the ocean um so that was cool but you know my dad he was the guy that always when he would come home from work hey let's go shoot hoops out in the side hoop Let's go play oh, catch no. with the football. And he would still stay in his kind of button down collared shirt and pants. And, and we'd do that. And that ultimately became kind of our relationship and my love for sports. Um, and I grew up loving sports, playing sports. And, and I think growing up in Oregon, obviously Nike grew up in mm-hmm. Oregon. And so that created my passion for uh, the brand. When did you think, um, you know, most kids grow up and they want to be a doctor, a lawyer, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, like growing up, what did you think you wanted to do? Well, like all kids, I wanted to be an NBA player and I'm close. Um, <laughs> you realize that hella quick, I'm sure, <laughs> that that wasn't in the cards. <laughs> it was. Yeah. <laughs> That's another story for you, me and Nico. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I wanted to actually, you know, back in the 90s, there was those films around architects being the cool guys. Mm. And so um, I wanted to be an architect uh, on a small scale, I took drafting classes um, when I got into college, um, but never really knew that that was going to be into design. And then until much later, you know. And then when you went to school, um, what school did you go to? So initially, I went to Oregon State, okay. um, and I was majoring in business. And I lasted two terms. So uh, for me, again, I just love sports. I wasn't really figuring out what I wanted to do. So. Uh, I actually, <laughs> not many people know this, but now all million followers will. Uh, I was given a choice by the counselor. You're either going to quit school or we're going to give you a 0.0 GPA. No joke. It was a 0.0. Well, you're not going to class? What were you doing? Yeah, just... I was playing ball. I'm a baller. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. You just said your dad's a scientist. That's right. Right? My mom's a school teacher. Mom's, Jesus. Mom's a school teacher. Dad's a successful scientist. There's not any more pressure academically, I'm guessing. Those three things, um, or those two things, you're absolutely right. Uh, and they raised us the right way. Um, but just school, I never was into studying, never into books and uh, that kind of stuff. So um, so you got to school, second semester, they're like, hey, you either like leave or we like make you leave, basically. Right? Yeah. So what do you do then? Are you like, I'm done with school or I got to figure this shit out? Uh, no, I'm done with school. So I, I leave um, and my parents were extremely disappointed, you can imagine, and uh, actually moved down to California. So moved to California. My buddy was playing JUCO college football and I moved into this apartment, two bedroom apartment, five football players and just lived there until my money ran out. And I remember calling my dad like, hey, ready to come back home. And he's like, we're not paying for you to come back home. <laughs> and so I had to get a job. He's like in, home. in this small town in California. And uh, it was crazy because I couldn't get a job. I had no experience. Wow. And uh, I had to actually call another family friend whose parents uh, owned a few McDonald's. And they actually made a phone call to the owner of the McDonald's down in this, this small city in California to get me a job. So, so I just want to be clear on the record on this. <laughs> you couldn't get a job at McDonald's on your own. You needed, you needed like 
no. a relationship to get you into a McDonald's job. And that, my friend, is a secret to success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, but let me ask you this. At this point, you're what, 19, 20 years old? 19, yeah. Are you like, man, I got to figure this shit out. Like, Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit numb to it. I think um, I was a little bit careless. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, there was a lot of things going on. And, and uh, I just wasn't ready, I think. I wasn't ready for school. I probably was studying the wrong thing. Um, and, uh, but that kind of, that was close to, I don't want to say the bottom cause I was with one of my close friends, but it was tough because you're like, man, what, what are we going to do now? You know? Mm -hmm. So finally made my way back, uh, to, to Newport where I was, uh, grew up and, and worked there. And then actually ended up going to a junior college. I had to fight my way to get back in. I wanted to go back to Oregon state. Um, but I went to this junior college, Lynn Benton, right down the road because I had to do that to get back in. And uh, I remember I took, uh, I was one credit sh uh, short of going full time to get my Stafford loan because dad wasn't paying for anything. Mm -hmm. It was like, you're going to get a loan, <laughs> loan this time around. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up just taking this drawing one class. It was just super random. Just took like it. Like as an elective. Like, I'll as just an take elective. This, like, I hey, I need to get one more credit. That's a three credit class. Seems easy. Bought some pencils. And um, the crazy thing was it was just shading. All you're doing is drawing circles and squares, you know? Um, and I remember talking to the instructor there. I wasn't the best drawer in the class by far. Um, but up to this point, did you have like a love for drawing? Like, I mean, were you good? Like, at no, least I mean, I it's funny because if I look back at it, I sketched stuff, but they were like not great sketches. But I loved um, design stuff. I loved, unbeknownst to me, when I saw like a great logo, like the FedEx logo was redesigned back in the 90s, I believe. And when it first came out, I was like, man, they didn't do anything. And you heard the news, like how much it costs. But then when you look between the E and the X and you saw that there was an arrow knocked out that of the counter spaces of the E and that you're like, man, that was really, really clever. And I appreciated that kind of stuff. Okay. So. So you take this class and you think you're just going to take a, you know, I need these yeah, credits. Get back to Oregon State, go back into business. And uh, the instructor there said, hey, you seem really passionate about this. And, you know, I kind of made a funny, probably joke, like, yeah, I can't, you can't do anything with it, you know? And she's like, well, have you ever thought about graphic design? I had no idea what that was. I mean, this is like, you know, you can imagine, it's in the 90s. Like, the Apple wasn't really a computer yet mm -hmm. to have programs. You're drawing here. So... I ended up meeting with the head guy for the design program and just talked to him. At the JUCO. It, at the JUCO, yeah. Mm -hmm. Talked through it with him. And he, ironically, used to help lead the program at Oregon State. And he had left to start oh, this wow. program. Wow. So I talked to him. He's like, yeah, you should just take like a design one class next term and just see what you think. Take a design class, a composition class, a chiral class. So now I'm two quarters in of not going back to Oregon State. Get into it. I loved it. Loved it. Everything from color, um, typography, everything that you kind of foundationally learned as a graphic designer, I loved it. And the rest is kind of history, you know, as far as getting into design. So you and I, jumping around a little bit, you and I, shit, probably a couple of months ago at this point, um, spoke on a panel together at University of Michigan. And one of the things you said, which definitely resonated with, you know, the college students in the audience was that you applied to Nike, you know, a number of times and you got a bunch of no's and you kept going back. And I think that resonated with kids, you know, um, on a bunch of levels, but talk to me a little bit about like that experience, like deciding you want to apply at Nike and what that experience was like. Yeah. I mean, um, back then again, what you don't know, you don't know. So you're right. I, it was just applications online and the emails back were dear David, dear David. And it was 20 to 30 of them. Um, 
and wait 20 to 30 like letters hey, hey you didn't get this job you didn't get that job so you applied multiple times for different jobs in design that's right and this is over the course of two to three years and i was working at an agency in town but that was over the course of two or three years you got 20 to 30 dear david letters it could be more <laughs> it's like i'm trying to show some some respect here like yeah. Exactly. So you think you got at least 20 to 30 letters like, hey, thanks, but no thanks. A, th a thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, um, to this day, uh, the recruiter that um, hired me there is now since moved, moved up in the company. And she and I talk about it like, man, there was so many times where uh, it just wasn't the right fit. And I, and I learned that you have to have a connection with people too to put a face to the work to then maybe then have a chance. And but yeah, it, it took I don't know if I was naive or if I was. Um, uh, dumb, one of the two, but I just kept going. Uh, I always wanted to work here at Nike and, and uh, um, I finally kind of cracked through. So you got 20 to 30 Dear David letters. Uh, the letter that said you got a job or an interview at least, Yeah. did it start Dear David as well? Uh, no, so what ended up happening was somewhere between the 20 and 30. Um, <laughs> Rejections. Me, yeah, reject. <laughs> you can call it rejection, you can call it keep coming back. <laughs> Uh, they sent me a floppy disk. Remember those floppy disks, like 1.4, tiny little You're floppy disks? You're way older than I am, so I don't that, remember that, any that, of those. That's a good point. <laughs> so they, they sent send me a file. A they sent me a file. <laughs> they send you a floppy disk. Floppy disk. And it's got a big black swoosh on it. And and what I loved about it was like, man, this is amazing. But there was a letter and basically said, hey, David, we'd love for you to apply a few designs um, with the swoosh in mind. And so the, the floppy had a swoosh, like a file with a swoosh guidelines, super premium. Like that's again, Nike, it's very premium. The packaging, you open it up the disc. Um, and so I designed like four posters, a basketball poster, a tennis poster. Wait, so I want to make sure I got this straight. So you apply for a job, right? The 30th time, whatever time you get a letter back with a floppy disc in it, right? A, a file disc. saying, Hey, would you mind designing four different designs, reinterpreting the swoosh or something to that effect? Correct. Wow. So you, I mean, you got to be excited as shit. Like, yeah, because it was like, it was one step farther than the dear David letter. Mm -hmm. It's like something came back other than an email that said, dear David, it was a physical, tangible thing. And so I designed these four things, thought they were brilliant, <laughs> went to the local Kinko's, printed them out, you know, uh, sent it in. And like a week later, I get a call. And, and so you're excited. You're getting the call from, from Nike. And they basically say, Hey, uh, we showed this to several creative directors and the work's too familiar. And I'm like, man, I was really bummed. And what's that mean? Uh, the work's too familiar. Or how like do you understand it, it that? Felt, it felt like they felt like they're doing that kind of work already. Okay. Um, and so what was amazing is the recruiter uh, basically said, but what I love about that is means you can work here. Mm. And so from that on um, again, probably between the 20 and 30, I started getting calls in to come and interview. So I come in, show my work. Again, didn't, wouldn't get it. Um, but eventually, I finally got into this job that I probably thought I was overqualified for. It was in Nike Golf, but they loved me. Uh, I loved uh, you know golf. I just wanted to get there. And they offered me this designer two position. And I remember it wasn't a letter. By the time I had left to go back to the agency I was working at, my phone rang and it was a recruiter and he's like, Hey David, you know, how you doing? How do you think it went? I said, I think it went pretty well. And he's like, well, I'm calling to let you know, we'd like to offer you the job. 
I was outside the the agency I worked at. I mean, it was like all the years, all the McDonald's, the JUCO, uh, growing up in a small, all those things came to that head. And it was like, man, mama, I made it. (laughs) (laughs) I tell people this story all the time. Like when I got my first job at Nike, um, Kevin O'Connor, who we both know, called me. Was my he hired me in New York, and he told me how much I was making. I was making seventy thousand dollars, and I called my mom. I was like, "You can quit, mom. We did it." She's like, "Boy, you better carry ass to work." <laughs> Just like I'm going to on Monday. Yeah, um, that's incredible. So, so you. One thing I definitely want to make sure we we kind of double click on is, obviously, the story is incredible of you, you know, applying twenty, thirty times, you know, and getting, you know no thank yous basically dear david letters as you called them and then even when you get to that second level of like interviewing it's still more like no thank yous um and then you finally get an opportunity and which you felt you were overqualified for potentially overqualified for what was your thought process and like you know what i'm still gonna i'm still gonna take this opportunity and and just make it work and make the best of it yeah i mean um and the reason why i say that is most people wouldn't get by the first one. After the third rejection, it's like, man, forget these guys. They don't get it. After getting to the second level or second stage and not getting it, it's like, man, forget these guys. And then after getting the job and thinking you're overqualified for it, it's like, these guys definitely don't get it. I'm out of here. Like, what what was your thought process going through that even when you got the job? You know, I don't even even know if I had one, but if I was to look back at it, I think it was about validation. Like, hey, um, Nike's the best. Um, and, And to be the best... You need to work at Nike. And so I think there was that perseverance. Um, I do think when the recruiter sent that that disc to me, um, that probably was toward the end of where I was potentially going to say, you know what, this, is, this isn't it. Um, and so that gave me a little bit of life. But, you know, um, you and I talk about this all the time. I believe things happen for a reason. Um, probably that perseverance and that drive for two-plus years of not getting in gives me the drive today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm always hungry, uh, but I'm always grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunities. Uh, I'm grateful for uh, the teams that you get to work with. Like that, that to me um, goes beyond because I still like the way I was able to describe it to you. It's like in the back of my mind, and yet it was only like five years ago because mm-hmm. I'm 19. Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> you you get this job, Nike Golf. What's that like? What are you working on? Like, what's the first yeah the first I, job? So, so first working role? on packaging, so golf ball packaging, uh, branding for um, uh, clubs, uh, photo shoots with the athletes, um, and uh, the one thing you know, I came from this uh, agency, Sandstrom Design. They're known for packaging, and I worked on this packaging where it was a little bit unorthodox. So um, you're not a big golfer, I know. Do you play uh, back golf? No, I can drive the hell out of a golf cart, though, and make a good margarita. (laughs) But anyway, so I I worked on this unorthodox packaging, but understood the strategy of how it was going to be put on a shelf because clubhouses are different than retailers, and they don't change. And um, long story short, it was uh, a very modern aesthetic for golf. And um, the president of the brand was like, let's roll. Let's do it. Um, And and we did it. And uh, I was fortunate enough because that went into the market um, it did, did it help our golf sales? I don't know, but, um, what it did do was, uh, continue to develop Nike as kind of a progressive thinker, innovation thinker, um, around sport, you know, were you in Nike golf when Tiger was there? I was. Yeah. So you basically taking credit for Tiger. That's what you're saying. You made Tiger. <laughs> I just want to make sure we say this. You know what? I was, um, 
around a lot of athletes in my career at Nike. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, yeah, I was. Uh, what was, was that like? Like, what was that time like? Just like I, I, could, I tell you why I ask. I remember being at at Nike, and obviously I worked Nike basketball, and but Tiger had such a like halo effect over just like the brand. Like, he was just his star, like at his highest point, was just so incredible. Like, did you guys feel the energy of that, like in Nike golf? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like. You know, all the iconic athletes of our generation, um, we're fortunate enough to work with them. Uh, you get to work with one of them uh, right now. And um, it just changes the whole scope of what you're doing. Um, there's an energy. There's a drive. Um, there's a camaraderie of team. Like, again, I think Nike has does such an incredible job of building teams um, that all have different skill sets toward a common vision or a common goal. So... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, but I was a kid, you know, I was a kid there and, and I was just happy to be there. Man. <laughs> just happy to have a happy job. Happy to be there. <laughs> um, so how long are you at Nike Golf before your next role? Nike Golf, two and a half years. And then again, ironically, the golf ball packaging caught the eye of um, one of the head guys uh, in brand creative and brand design because he was a golfer. Okay. And he noticed the packaging this, and talked to my boss at the time saying, hey, who, who worked on this stuff? And so I got to meet him. And uh, anyway, so we hit it off. And about a year later, I'd say, um, I get the the uh, call to say, hey, we want you to work on the Beijing Olympics. Wow. So I was going from Nike Golf, again, Nike Golf, this kid, and now, hey, we're going to go work on Beijing Olympics in 2007, 2008. And that was incredible. I mean, that opened my eyes because, again, the design teams, there was, there was such great expertise around retail experience um uh branding photography yeah can you can you break down a little like when you say you were going to work on the beijing olympics like what's what's that mean yeah so you, so you're on a team i mean like like i said nike has these teams and, and i was fortunate enough to be on this design team that worked on uh bringing to life the product uh for the beijing olympics and the photography of the athletes wow and um so that was an incredible experience to be able to work with that team and um, build kind of, um, you know, at the time, the first visible technology since air. It was Flywire. Wow. Wow. And then, so how long out, I know Nike gets ahead of everything, how long out the Beijing Olympics were 08? 08. Yeah. How long in advance do you start working on 08 Olympics? I was there uh, in 2007, and I'm sure there was stuff happening probably prior to that as well. Um, like I said, when you're in brand design, you're kind of toward the end of the, uh, of the uh, journey as far as creating assets um, and or experiences, stories um, for the brand. So 08 Olympics, and I've always wondered this, like when you get, so you were at Nike Golf, do an amazing job there, you got the opportunity um, to work on the Olympics. You know you're not going back to your role or job at Nike Golf, correct? You may not know what the next job is. How's that work? Like you're working on a special, obviously huge project, but career-wise, do you know what's next while you're working on Olympics? Uh, no, because again, I think at that time, I'm still kind of young and again, happy to be there. Um, everything's so fast and so dynamic. You don't have time to think about that stuff. And, and so two years go by like that, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I wasn't thinking about, am I going back into golf? What is my next? Um, it was just focused on on the Olympics. Um, but, uh, but soon after that, and, and we get close to when we met, uh, I went into North America and helped start up brand design in North America. And that was incredible because again, that's where it's closer to the consumer. Um, there's activations uh, that are going on, Spike Bus, Boombox, um, World Basketball Festival was kind of coming from a global team. Yep. So that's where, that was exciting time. And, and um, you got to work with the dynamic, again, marketing team and design team to create uh, things relevant to the consumer. 
So what's your next big role post 08 Olympics? So it was design director of, of North America brand design. I did that for two years. That's uh, all categories. That's all, all categories, sports, right? All yeah. categories yep. in North America. Yep. And uh, again, doing the same type of, of uh, design work that I did for uh, the Beijing Olympics. Um, and then I get the call to say, hey, listen, we want you to be the senior creative director at Nike Basketball. Mm -hmm. And you know, we met. That, and that's when we met. So when and your life changed, when you met me, basically. <laughs> just <laughs> say it for you. It changed, yes. Uh, but yeah, so, that's, that, that's, when, that's but, when it was like Nike Basketball. That's my, you know. I was just going to ask that. So let's, you know, we started this saying, you know, you was a hooper and loved to play ball. And even going back to like the driveway, you know, one-on-ones with your pops, like, was that a moment for you in your career? Like, oh, I'm working on Nike basketball? Like, It, it, it was a moment for so many reasons. I think, one, uh, I remember some of my close friends would have, like, um, the True Blue AJ3s. Mm -hmm. uh, we couldn't afford them, but they had them. But, like, it just reminded you of, um, like, it was something different back, in, uh, back then. And then you fast forward and, like, the Gatorade Be Like Mike commercials, um, obviously the 92 Barcelona Dream Team, um, I loved basketball. Um, and then there was a team, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, the Portland Trailblazers. Um, but they had an amazing run, uh, though never made the championship. Uh, Which, by the way, Creech is the biggest <laughs> Portland Trailblazers <laughs> homer, man. They win one game in October, and he's like, I'm telling you, we're looking good, baby. See, we see the trophy. You are a diehard Trailblazers fan. Uh, yeah, I, I love the Blazers. Man. <laughs> uh, you know, my parents love the Blazers. You know, I, you know shout out to them. The games wouldn't be tele uh, on TV very much when mm -hmm. I was growing up, and so we listened to it on the radio. Wow! We'd have the radio. My dad would make popcorn. We listened to it in the living room. All wow. of us as a family we're just listening to the game. It's crazy. Wow! So you get the call, Nike yeah. basketball. Get the call, Nike basketball. I mean, this is you know after you see an amazing you know battlegrounds World Basketball Festival 1.0 just happened. LeBron's coming in already. KD. Uh, I'm not sure if Kyrie was still there. Kobe's a big deal, mm -hmm. and it was like man. This is it. You know, again, mama, I made it, yeah. but Nike basketball. And I think, you know, this is something you can't say, but I'll say it. I remember being there. You know, it's hard to imagine Nike basketball not being like the superpower it is today. But there was a point in time when it wasn't the superpower it is today. Right. So and I think that time you're talking about coming into the category, like it was an exciting time because to your point, there were a lot of things like aligning and the brand had a bunch of wins. And it started to feel like this groundswell of like. Oh, we have an opportunity here to take this. Like this is like a moonshot, right? Like, did yeah. you feel that energy around that time? I absolutely did. I mean, I think Kobe was at on the top of his game. Absolutely, LeBron was at the top of his game. You know, KD was coming up into mm -hmm. his own top of his game, and um, and the NBA was taking off. I mean, as you know, I mean, it was just taking off, and so it was an incredible time to be there. And again, I go back to the idea that things happen for a reason. Uh, people are blessed in life, and the timing to be at that moment and that time in Nike basketball, I'm sure you feel the same way. It was such a great opportunity for us and for all the teams that got to work on that on that work. What are the some What are some of the highlights, top of mind for you during your time at Nike basketball? You know, I think um, obviously the World Basketball Festival work led by the team uh, before I got there, and then we carried it through. That was amazing. I think uh, dimensionalizing the brands uh, around LeBron, quite frankly. I mean, I think that was a big one. Um, but again, I think just creating Nike basketball as um, a front runner, uh, an, uh, an icon to the industry um, beyond just sneakers, I thought uh, that was a that was a memorable time. So, 
we've talked about your journey at Nike up to this point, right? And it's like you get a Nike golf, you're an avid golfer, you work on the Olympics, doesn't get much bigger than the Olympics, right? I don't think there's anything bigger than the Olympics. Then you get to work kind of your dream category, sport, Nike basketball, and work with some of the biggest superheroes in the world, right? Kobe's, LeBron's of the world, like young KD. Um, is there a moment when you're like, where do I go from here, right? Like you've accomplished so much in your young, in your young career, you're doing great work. Um, are you thinking at any point, like, I'm not sure what I do from here or like what's next? Yeah, I mean, I think um, yes and no. I think you're always thinking about uh, what's next. I think as a designer, um, you're always uh, not satisfied. You're always tweaking. You're always changing. As you know, you work with uh, many designers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're doing that, but you're also in the moment, too. I think um, because the work's so dynamic and uh, the teams are – uh, high octane it, you're in the moment and you're appreciating the moment and um uh but yeah you know in the back of my your mind you're always thinking okay well what can be better, better than this right you know uh, it's nike basketball right i think we've all been blessed to ask ourselves that question and you're like oh there is you know we always joke about like chapters right like mm -hmm. in our story and you're like man and i think you texted me one time i had done something i can't remember what it was um and you were like man i don't know if you remember this text you were like I would have told you to write a book two years ago, but like you have so many more chapters, man. Like, uh -huh. you know, like, so I think we've been blessed in that. It's like, you think you're not the mountaintop because that sounds wrong, but you think like, man, it can't get better than this. I'm so fulfilled professionally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then just working for a great brand like the swoosh, just to, you know, um, the opportunities that come yeah. with that. Right. So you're Nike, you're at Nike basketball, you're heading up design, brand design for that. Um, your next role isn't, isn't Jumpman, is it? What's your next role? No, my next role would be so th then I um I worked on uh the Rio London Olympics uh with the teams um and a few World Cups. And then I uh ended up taking on uh vice president of brand design. So I took on all categories. Wow. What's um, so what's that mean to a person that doesn't understand Nike Matrix org? How would you best explain just even like design at Nike? That's probably a better way. Yeah, I mean so so uh we have categories, running, basketball, women, sportswear, et cetera. And they have marketing functions um, and other functions. And there's a brand design function. And their job is to uh, partner with marketing to create stories, um, bring the uh, stories to life for the consumer uh, through product, athlete, voice. Um, and so, um, yeah, so I was in Nike basketball, um, but there was other uh, people like me, creative directors of different categories. And then... Um, yeah, my next role was in VP of Brand Design. So I kind of took on the category offense. But again, you have a robust team, creative directors for each category uh, to get after that. And how long are you in this role? Uh, I'm in that role about three years, I think. Um, if, if my math is right, I'm about three years. And uh, and that's when I then get the, the tap to go into the Jumpman. So to my previous point of thinking like, man, like it doesn't get much better than this, right? Like I'm working on the things I want to work on, working with my heroes, you know, working on like amazing athletes, you know, superheroes as I call them. And, you know, literally the most iconic sports moments, the Olympics, as I said, doesn't get much bigger than that. And then you get a call like, hey, we want you to come over to the Jumpman, to the Jordan brand. That's right. Do you remember where you were or how that happened? Like when you first heard the news? Yeah, I was actually on sabbatical. I was actually on vacation. You're always on vacation, man. How's that possible? <laughs> I was such a successful guy like you always on vacation. I don't know. <laughs> so so you so you're on vacation. I'm on vacation. I actually get a call on my birthday. Shout out to my birthday. <laughs> 
I get a call on my birthday and they say, hey, David, um, we'd like you to take on the role of creative director, vice president of design for the Jordan brand. Um, and it took a while for me because you, when you're on vacation, you kind of step away, hopefully. And okay, um, you're drunk, but go ahead. Continue. <laughs> Tell your version. It's fine. No kids. I'm not. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm like, hmm. And. As they explained it to me, you're over footwear, design, apparel, color, material, graphics, brand, retail, concept. So over the whole thing in Jordan from a design standpoint, uh, and it was an incredible opportunity because, again, you go back. Now you go back into the early 90s when, you know, the AJ3 is coming out. MJ is doing his thing. Like all of us when we were growing up, it's like he was the guy. That was the the moment if you love basketball. Um, And so – uh, I don't want to say full circle, but then you get to this moment and you realize, man, like the creative director for the Jordan brand. Um, and, and is that surreal for you? Because you mentioned just a little bit ago, like your friends had, you know, the threes in the true blues, I think you said, which you couldn't afford at the time or whatnot. It's like and now you're helping kind of not rewrite, but at least guide. Right. What the yeah. future looks like for the Jordan brand. Like th- that moment, like th- that surrealness hit you like. Yeah, I think so. And again, I think like everything, everything happens so quickly and, and life, you know, as you know, is full and, um, uh, you know, work's a part of it. Family's a part of it, friend. And so um, really sitting back someday, hopefully, to digest everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you and I reflect all the time, um, but it's, but you just keep going. But yeah, I mean, I was very grateful um, for the call and, and the opportunity because, again, we're talking about a kid that started in graphic design at a junior college. I mean, graphic design to now being over footwear and apparel, as well as brand and retail of the Jordan brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an incredible opportunity. I remember one thing I, I super respect of you, like in your career, is you've always taken the, the craft, the job, and the opportunity super seriously. And I don't even know if you remember this conversation. You called me when the Jumpman role was um, offered to you or first at least discussed with you. And I was like super excited, like, holy shit, this is a really big deal. And your not your question, your point, your first point was like, I want to make sure I can do this. Like you felt such a responsibility to like, because I think, was it footwear you hadn't done yet? There was yeah, footwear and apparel. Yeah, so you were like, yeah. I, just, I, I want to make sure I can do this. I want to make sure I can be great at this. Like yeah. most people would just be happy like with the job. I have a big job and I'll figure it out. Like why'd you, why that thought? Why, why, yeah. why, why even like that responsibility to yourself of like wanting to make sure you could do this job and not being sure. Yeah. Clearly you could. No, I think that, that, that's a great question. I think, you know, you always have, at least I had the mentality still of the 20 to 30 rejection letters, to be honest with you. It was growing up in a small town, not in a big city. It was honorable mention 3A basketball all league versus first, you know, it was all those things probably built up to that moment. Um, And uh, to your point, like I take design seriously. I I obsess details. I think all uh, great designers do. And and you want to be great. You don't want to fail, you know. Um, So it probably had all those kind of emotions and or uh, things to think about. So, um We'll tell you a story. The first time I met Jay-Z, I was a little nervous and that I wasn't sure. I wasn't nervous in meeting him. I was nervous in how to address him. So I wasn't sure if I was to be like, what's up, Jay? Right? Like, <laughs> what's up, Hove? And him be like, my friends call me Hove. I don't know you, clown. You know, like, 
hey, Mr. Carter, hey, Sean. Like, I wasn't sure. Like, so your first time going to meet Mike, right? Yeah. He's on campus or whatnot. You're going to meet him. What are your thoughts? I mean, this is, you know, in many of our eyes, like G-O-D, as it, you know, refers to basketball, like initial thoughts when you're like, holy, sh- holy shit, I'm going to meet like Mike. Yeah, uh, it's a great question. I don't even remember the first time it was, uh, but it had to have been with a footwear review. Um, you know, I was fortunate because Larry Miller, um, uh, at the time president of the Jordan brand, kind of helped start the Jordan brand, um, gave me the ultimate compliment. Like, hey, listen, I, I've talked to MJ about you. Um, you should you should um, feel good about it, et cetera. So I had that in my head, but I think it was, a, again, probably back to, the, a little bit naive, but yeah, you're right. If I overthought it too much, I probably would have been like, man, but it was just, you, you kind of went with it. I mean, it's, it, it's not much different than when you meet, you know, some of the other athletes that we get to meet when we work w- what we do. So, but yeah, I mean, it's MJ. So, you know, there was, there was that. So of what you can tell me, there's legendary stories of like Mike being as focused a basketball player as he was. Like he takes his business as seriously. Right. And obviously he's built an incredible brand, one of the strongest brands in the world and in the Jordan brand. Um, what did you learn most from just, you know, your time spent with him and just working, just working on the category itself? Anything that stands out to you? You know, the attention to detail that he has, uh, the understanding of not just the business, but product design uh, and athlete needs um, was unmatched. Um, it was incredible uh, to hear his insights and understand the carrying of what he wanted to create, um, the brand and the product. So you're, you're working at the Jumpman, the Jordan brand. Um, any highlights, anything? Because that feels like it was a blur. How long were you there? Two? Three and a half years, almost four. You were there that long? Three yeah. and a half years? Time flies, man. It was like a blur. It, a blur. Highlights. And it's highlights. actually like two, like it just happened yesterday. So like anything, like what, what are your takeaways? Yeah. I mean, I think... Uh, all-Star Weekend in L.A. was amazing for us, you know, um, being able to truly own that on the court, um, seeing all the players wear the Jumpman. Um, the game shoe launch with the 33 was pretty epic. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it all kind of – it's funny because you you talked about retrospect. You don't, you don't sit back and appreciate the moments. I think you're just constantly moving forward yeah. thinking about the next. And so – it's all those opportunities that are in front of you and, and you appreciate the people that you get to work with and the, and the projects and the, and the, uh, uh, and the events. So it's hard to single out one. So, um, we're going chronologically in order of your chronological order of your career. Um, I just said, when you look back at your days at Jumpman, you're in a new role. Yeah. What can you tell us about the new role? What's the new role? The new role starts Tuesday, <laughs> next Tuesday. Uh, so yeah, vice president of brand creative, uh, working in North America with the team to kind of get after all things creative in North America. Um, I'm looking forward to coming back for podcast number two to tell you more about it, but I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. I met some of the team. It's a great opportunity. Again, um, the beauty about Nike is being able to uh, continue to evolve and grow within the brand, um, new experiences, new teams, um, and continue to be challenged. So VP of, what was the role again? Brand creative. VP of brand creative, North America. Yeah. How the hell does a kid (laughs) adopted from Seoul, um, you know, 
drops out, kind of kicked. Oh, no, I won't say kicked out. I won't put words, but yeah, dropped I, out. I, right? I, I, I left. I didn't, get, I didn't get kicked out. <laughs> You're not breaking up with me. I'm breaking up with you. You know. Like, <laughs> but I look back. You know, like you know, leaves school. You know, working at a McDonald's. Shout out to McDonald's. Um, yeah. You know, living with a friend. Goes to a JUCO. Goes to a JUCO longer than he anticipated. You know, how the hell's that kid? end up here where you're sitting in front of me today? How's that happen? Man, I mean, when you put it that way, it's a great question. But I think, you know, it's um, the teams you work on, the experiences, uh, I think there's a little bit of luck, a lot of hard work, a lot of, you know, you respect and trust a lot of people to get that. I mean, it's not just me, it's everybody that you worked with. Uh, you were one of them. Um, Ment but, I mean, some people would call it a mentor. Whatever. <laughs> it's not, I'm not here. The show isn't about me. It's not about That's me. fair. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, it, it goes so fast, but but it, I just think every experience you have, if you're open to being curious and being a sponge, um, if you work hard, if you respect the people you work with, if you trust the people you work with, um, you can wake up one day and be in, in great opportunities. I, I truly believe it. Um, one thing that stands out to me in your journey, I didn't know this till, you know, and we've been friends for a decade now. I didn't know this till hearing you say this on the show. You said that um, someone at Nike saw your pa your pack the packaging you had designed mm -hmm. in Nike Golf, right? Yeah. And I always like marvel at that. I think there's like, especially in today's generation, there's uh, sometimes a mindset of like what I'm doing doesn't really matter, right? Like I'm just doing this till I can do what I really want to do. And what people sometimes don't understand is like, no, what you're doing now directly impacts and affects what you're going to do next. Right. A thousand percent. So I think, you know, and I've asked you, uh, you know, about your journey. It's like, you never necessarily knew what your next step was, but you focused kind of on, on what was right there smack in front of you. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you attribute that to in terms of your success, right? It's, it's always easy to look forward and say, hey, you know what, cool, I'm doing this. The job I really want is this. What do you attribute that to that, you know, for two and two, between two and three years at a time, you've been able to focus relentlessly on what the task at hand is and how that's led to your next opportunity? Yeah, it's uh, a great question. I, I think it was having a vision, whether it was from me or from someone above me, having a vision of where we wanted to take that particular um, I'll call it era. And so we were working all things toward that. And um, that's critical because if the vision isn't set, it's hard to then get multiple functions from design to marketing to retail to sales to whatever to align to that. And so I think, again, I think you, you have to have strong leaders that set that vision and then you, and then you go to it. And then for me personally, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, my dad always told me to leave things in a better place than when you found it. Um, and whether that was, if you're staying at a friend's house, you know, make the bed. Um, if you're going into the kitchen, clean the kitchen. And so I do have that mindset, a little bit of, of a blue collar mindset, if that makes sense, where it's like, hey, if I'm gonna go into something, I obviously wanna do a great job and hopefully the team does a great job and leave it in a better place than when, when I came into it. Mm, love that. What do you, I always try to like make sure I think all of it is super helpful, but that our listeners, I think a lot of our listeners, again, all seven of them, um, <laughs> all, all seven of them, um, you know, listen or watch this show because the people we have on it, they can learn something from them that they can directly take and use for their journey, right? Yeah. 
So for, you know, whether they're designers or just young marketers or young brand people or just or young entrepreneurs that, you know, I think that the worst feeling you can have when you're trying to start your career is like, like helplessness, right? Like hmm. you have a dream and you have a vision you're like, man, I want to, I want to be there, right? Because in Instagram, that's the other thing, right? It's like you see everyone's best self, man, that guy has an awesome job. That guy's got the hmm. best job. That guy hangs out with this athlete, right? Mm hmm. And they don't feel like they have any idea of like how to get in and get started, right? I'm sure you, that kid, when you were in, where were you when you were at your friend's house, the Juco? I was in, it was in Eureka, California. No idea where that is. Eureka. <laughs> they, ha they had a McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so like, what, what do you say to that kid that's in like Eureka, right? That has big dreams, but's not sure how to even get started, that maybe has had 10, 15, 20 letters that say, hey, dear John Doe, thank you, but no thank you. Yeah, I mean, um, that's a great question. Uh, I think it's perseverance. Um, and I think you have to surround yourself with the right network. Um, I think if I look back on it, whether it was my family, or friends um, that constantly were in your corner unconditionally. And even today, I believe um, to be where you are, you have to have um, that same support system, if that makes sense. So I think there's that. And then I think it's always stay positive. You have to stay positive. No one wants someone that's negative. No one wants someone that's down. Stay positive and keep going. Um, and, and it sounds easy to say today, um, but those are things that I think will help you no matter what you do, if you're positive, uh, you have a great support system. You're always being, you're open to learning and looking at self to say, what can I do to be better? Believe it or not, those four posters I designed, whether at the time I thought, well, wait a second, my work's already good enough. Why do I have to design four new posters? But at the time, that actually probably helped me get in to the next conversation of, oh, hey, by the way, I actually like the fact that they're familiar because it means you can work here. And so it's just constantly staying um, positive and looking for that just that crack you just need that subtle little crack to get in and then you worry about the next one don't try to take the biggest scoop out and all of a sudden try to go from you know the probably all-star mcdonald's employee to <laughs> um to the vp of whatever mm -hmm. uh or the owner of whatever it's like just take small ones you always say this just take a win take a win put points uh, on the board put points take on the, the field board. goal yeah kind of like when i made that oh wait i missed the shot i actually actually we're going to end the show on that so so <laughs> <laughs> a story you guys probably don't know is <clears throat> Nike, as you can imagine, they actually hire. There's a lot of like ex-athletes that work at Nike. A lot right? of male and female, like just a lot that, of. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of high-level like ex-D1 athletes, um, semi-pro athletes, yeah, or pro athletes, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So the uh, do we call them intramurals? Do you say intramurals? I call it A League, um, <laughs> and that so, that was a that was the top league. So so <laughs> the the sports leagues, right? There's a basketball league, soccer league flag football, whatever. So the basketball league had like guys that played at Oregon, Oregon State, like guys that played overseas, guys that were pros in the league. Like, so the league was very, very competitive. Um, so when I, so when I, <laughs> so the year I actually worked in Beaverton on campus, I played on Creech's team. I just said I played on his team. And it was me, Creech, Nico Harrison, who's a hell of a ball player and is still at Nike. Who else is on the team that you? Derek Foster. Derek Foster. It was like a crew of like, was it mostly like brand and sports marketing people, right? Fair? Yeah, I, I would say yeah, exactly, and, and probably a little bit of footwork guys, but they were all former players, like real ball players. These guys yeah. all could play, yeah. right? So all the, of us could, yes. <laughs> so we played in the A League. 
which is the best league, most competitive league. And Nico was head and shoulders. Shout out to Nico, the best player on the team. And um, as was normal, um, Nico has the hot hand one game. I want to say he has 50 or he has 48 at this point. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I want to say Nico has 50 points. Like, literally. like Not like he was hot. No, he has 50 points this game. And, and to be clear, we're going against other players that are D1 players. Yes. No, it's... it's he was like Jerron. Yeah, Jerron, there's, real, there's real ball yeah. players. Yeah. So Nico has a cool 50. We're down one point. One point. One point. It's like six seconds left. Yep. We call a timeout. We have the ball. So who do you think the ball's going to? Clearly Nico, right? <laughs> so we draw up this play. I think I'm inbounding it. Creech will pop up to the top of the key. I'll pass it to Creech. We'll set a double pin down screen for Nico. He comes off the double screen, gets the ball, and does what he does, gets a bucket. We win. We go home. Creech, you want to tell him how the play actually played out? Well, first of all, shout out to Liv and Mo for hearing this story, <laughs> uh, high school athletes. Uh, I was open. <laughs> and for whatever reason, they double teamed Nico. I was open, so I took the shot. <laughs> Just like I took the shot 20 to 30 times. Unfortunately, it was those 20 to 30 times of rejection letters that I did not make the shot. Hey, you take the shot with the game on the line. You leave the follow through. Oh, here's, yeah. the, here's the funny part. You missed the shot. Let's be clear. You yeah. missed the shot. We lose the game. I don't think I hit the rim. No, no, no. You didn't hit the rim. You didn't hit the rim. You leave the follow through up like you thought it was going to be good, right? So I go up to you being the good team I am. I give you dap, and I'm like, you thought it was good? He goes, I'm going to be honest, P. I knew it was off the second it left my hand. <laughs> and that right there, my friends, is literally like, I can't think of a better definition of uh, you, David Creech, our friendship. Um, I want to thank you for being on the show. I think, honestly, whether you know the viewers or the listeners are designers, marketers, young entrepreneurs, there's a lot of lessons learning and that just the perseverance of where you've been. I'm excited to have you on the show 12 months from now, see where your journey is taking you then. Any closing words? You got to shout out my nieces, one of which is in college now, which is nuts. Yeah, Olivia, what up? Just started college at, down in LA, uh, Orange County, and Mo just started volleyball. Mallory, yeah. Jesus, we're getting old, man. We're, we're getting really old. I think when you first started knowing them, they're Babies. Ba babies. And, and now they're, you know. To the next chapter. You know what? I'll actually have them on the show next time. <laughs> Thanks for coming. They'll be on, a lot buddy. better. I appreciate it, brother. Appreciate you. Peace.